1800s, as settlers drove wagon trains into the American West, one young man set off across the prairie alone. His name was Johnny Love. Mr. Love had been born in Portage, Wisconsin, on the farm of his uncle, environmentalist, icon, and my son's namesake, John Muir. Love's mother died in childbirth. His father died when he was young. The family retreated back to Scotland to avoid the hardships of the West, but the allure was too great. His sisters brought him to Nebraska when he was still a teenager, and Johnny Love spent his teenage years working as a cowboy. Eventually, he saved enough money to buy two horses and a buggy, which was all he needed to set off for Wyoming in hopes of starting his life. Just over the Wyoming border, his horses drank from a poisoned well and died that night. So Johnny Love left everything he owned inside the buggy and walked the following 200 miles to his destination in the center of Wyoming. He found work again as a cowboy and eventually saved enough money to buy some cheap land, probably the ancestral land of folks like Sioux visionary Blackfoot, but that is another story. Love bought that land and a little more and a little more, and he massed a herd of several hundred cattle and several thousand sheep. He acquired water rights to over a thousand square miles. He became a fixture of this new state. He was close friends with legendary chief Washaki of the Shoshone. Also, he was friends with Robert Leroy Parker and Harry Lungabau, better known as Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Love was connected to everyone in and around Wyoming. He considered his neighbors anyone within 20 miles of him. Anyone within 20 miles was his neighbor. Who is my neighbor? That is the question posed in the gospel today. Who is my neighbor? How much do I need to love? What are the limits of love? Who is my neighbor? Two weeks ago, we read about how Jesus set his face toward Jerusalem in Luke 9. Do we remember that? On his way from Galilee to Jerusalem, Jesus passed through Samaria. Do you remember what happened? The Samaritans did not receive him. They did not receive him because his face was set toward Jerusalem. The Samaritans did not receive him. A quick word about Samaritans. Samaritans inhabited the area between Galilee and Judah, which was the northern kingdom of Israel. 
Samaritans were largely descendants of people who lived in the region during the Babylonian exile. They worshipped the God of Israel, Yahweh, Adonai. And their sacred text was an abridged version of the Pentateuch. But their practices were different. Their holy place was Mount Gerizim, which is where Samaritans celebrate Passover to this day. There are still Samaritans. The estimates place it about 800 Samaritans still in the world today. And some of their music, the music that they make, is among the oldest surviving music in the world. But back to the story. Samaritans did not support worship in Jerusalem, which is why they rejected Jesus. Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. Isn't it ironic that Jesus chooses a Samaritan as the example of someone who loves their neighbor? Jesus illustrates the significance of hospitality by venerating the very people who had just rejected him. nearly incomprehensible. There's a lot of weird historical stuff in this story. I think it's one of those parables that we need to unpack and tell in a different way in our time so that we can get what is going on here. One way we could do that is by highlighting the religious hierarchy that's inherent in this narrative, right? We could tell it like this. An Episcopal priest passes by somebody that's in a ditch on the side of the road. Then an Episcopal deacon passes by somebody that's in a ditch on the side of the road. Finally, a Mormon, someone who shares our sacred texts but practices in a decidedly different fashion, the Mormon stops and shows the person mercy. That's one way we could tell that story. And it would tell us about our religious structure, but I don't think, I don't think it gets to the heart of the tension in this passage. Let me try one other way. Today, this day, Sunday, July 14th, 2019, our neighbors are in the ditch. Today, at the request of President Trump, ICE has declared that it's going to arrest thousands of undocumented families. It has been called an act of terrorism, at least by me. (laughs) With that in mind, imagine this scenario. There is a woman named Marisol who was born in Guadalajara. When she was 16, she and her sister moved to Oxnard to work in the fields picking strawberries. They came without documentation. After Oxnard, Marisol got a job cleaning houses in Santa Barbara. She moved to Isla Vista, where there was more affordable living conditions, at least at the time. When Trump was elected, she realized that she could not go back to Mexico to visit her family, so she has not seen her family in years. She stopped driving for fear that she would be pulled over and deported, so she rides the bus. Yesterday, Marisol was riding the bus home late from a job in Montecito. She was walking home through an IV at 11 p.m., and she was attacked. She was beaten and robbed. This is not a true story. This is a scenario. 
I like that you guys are there emotionally. She never saw who did it. She was left on the corner of Camino Pescadero and El Greco. A car passed by. It was me. I saw her lying on the sidewalk, but I did not stop. Maybe I had to get home after the wedding. Maybe I was just tired. Maybe I was worried about getting all dirty and messy and nasty. Whatever the reason, I didn't stop. After that, a UCSB professor drove by too, but they weren't sure what was going on. Thought it was just more of IV stuff going down, so they drove away. Finally, an off-duty ICE agent, a woman (laughs) named Pat, drove by and stopped. She called an ambulance and accompanied Marisol to the hospital, waited until she was in a bed, and left her cell phone number as the primary contact. Before she left, Pat told Marisol and the nurses that she will be back tomorrow. I know this is a hard story to hear. But it has always been a hard story to hear. It is a challenging parable, and it has challenged us for over 2,000 years. It forces us to look around and consider the goodness and mercy of people we don't like. Good Samaritans, good ICE agents, good Mormons, good Trump supporters. They are out there. In fact, they are here. Some of them have been in this room. Some of them might be in this room right now, right around us. My point, and Jesus' point, is that love of neighbor is not a question of distance or class or beliefs or affinities. The neighbor is one who needs mercy or shows mercy. It is not limited to those who favor or resemble us. And it is not limited geographically. Who is your neighbor? Everyone is your neighbor. Your neighbor is everyone, and it goes deeper than that. Love of neighbor goes beyond the human level, level, thanks to environmental pioneers like John Muir or Aldo Leopold or Rachel Carson or Annie Dillard. We know that our behavior, our choices, our actions impact neighbors of other species. Trees are our neighbors. Birds are our neighbors. The ocean is our neighbor. The mountains are our neighbors. Whales, foxes, bobcats, mountain lions, frogs, trouts, trouts, (laughs) sharks, dolphins, sea lions, bears, (laughs) hawks, doves, the water, the rock, the sand, the mud, all of these are our neighbors. They are our neighbors on this planet. But we don't stop There, we are perfectly able to express our affection for our astral neighbors, planets, moons, stars, the warmth of other suns, and yes, I mean that too. Our hearts are migratory. We are always wandering, searching for something new to know and to love, a new home to feel safe and to feel loved, a place to belong. As the poet Rilke says, go to the limits of your longing. Who is your neighbor? Your neighbor is everyone and everything. Love everyone and everything. Okay. Okay. I could stop there, but there's a little more. That's beautiful and all. I know everyone is my neighbor. 
but it's also overwhelming. It's hard enough to love the people who live next door or in our own homes. In the interest of full candor, my next door neighbors are out of town for the summer and it is awesome. (laughs) The good news about loving everything and everyone is that it is not a request to be someone that you are not. Believe it or not, this is where the passage from Deuteronomy from today comes in handy. It says, Surely this commandment that I am commanding you today is not too hard for you, nor is it too far away. No, the word is very near to you. It is in your mouth and in your heart for you to observe. In your heart to observe. Observe your heart. Pay attention to what is going on in your heart. In the words of Tom Petty, listen to your heart. It's going to tell you what to do. I have a friend in town who is Catholic. He and his wife have six kids. Last year, they adopted a nephew whose parent was struggling with addiction, making their household total of children seven. In this decision, they had to listen to their hearts, not their pocketbooks. Don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying you should adopt every child who could benefit from your love and resources. This week, Mary Beth and I watched this classic uh, 30 Rock episode in which the intern Kenneth volunteers at an animal shelter and he adopts every dog in New York City who is about to be euthanized. (laughs) Don't be Kenneth. So you wonder, paraphrasing the question from Luke, bringing it back. How do I prioritize my time, my affections, my resources? If everyone is my neighbor, how do I prioritize my love of neighbor? In medicine, the term for distinguishing between priority of care is triage. Triage. How do we do neighborly triage? Here is what Jesus says. Go to those who need you. Go to those who are suffering. Go to those who are ignored. Go to those who are on the verge of death without help. Go to your undocumented friends and families. Go to the deportees. Go to those you fear. Go to those you despise. Go to the fool in the mirror. Go to the poor. Go to the sick. Go to the mean. Go to the cruel. Go to the emotionally deaf. Go where you you have eyes to see the pain that others do not see. Go to those who need love most. Go where you can pass on the love you have been given. Go where you can show mercy. 
where you can show love because love is our purpose. You can go anywhere. You will find people in need of love anywhere. You will find your neighbor everywhere. Everyone is your neighbor. Amen.